Hi everyone, welcome back to my podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about the case of Oscar Leonard Carl Pistorius, who was a South African former professional Paralympic Olympian, as well as a murder convict in 2013, who was found guilty of the murder of his girlfriend, who was also a model known as Riva Steenkamp. As always, I will have all the links and all the sources that I used in the description for you to do your own reading and for you to come up with your own judgment on the case and please let me know what you think about it as well. So the events happened at night in South Africa in Oscar's home where he was staying with his girlfriend Reba. Oscar claims to have woken up in the middle of the night because of an intruder. He picked up his gun and he shot four bullets at what he thought was the intruder hiding behind his bathroom door. However, surely enough, there was never an intruder and the person behind the door was actually his girlfriend, Reba, who he believed to have been lying in bed at the time of the incident. There was an eyewitness brought on called Michelle Berger, who was brought by the prosecution by the state against Pistorius. She was a neighbor that said that she heard, quote, blood curdling screams followed by gunshots, which shows that Reva was calling out to him before the shots were even fired. This is a very strong piece of evidence that shows that he should have known it was Reva and could even prove a whole different series of events that happened that night. Like perhaps they were having an argument and he did this because of fright and it was an intention to do this. Barry Rue from the defense tried to discredit this and said that Michelle's house was 177 meters away from Oscar's, so it was very far to hear it, and sound experts and sound engineers corroborated with the defense and said that it was very unlikely to hear screams. Neighbors closer to the house said that they heard a man screaming loudly, and they also, quote, heard, help, help, help. Three witnesses confirmed this and said that they heard a man crying. Now we have some forensic evidence that says that Reva consumed food two hours ago and in his testimony, Oscar said that they had slept at around seven or eight, which actually very largely discredits his testimony because she could not have food in her system two hours ago before the incident if they had actually slept at eight or seven. Furthermore, ballistics evidence done by Captain Maniga suggests that there was an intent to kill due to four separate shots being fired. He also said that when you shoot shots of that nature with that lethal weapon, one shot is enough and likely to produce a fatal heart attack, which would cause Reva to scream and shout and for Oscar to not shoot the next three bullets. The first shot hit Reva in her thigh and caused her to fall down on a magazine rack. Shot B missed her and ricocheted and fragments from it hit her on the back and then the upper arm and then the fourth bullet hit her right in the temple. This is really important to note that there was a delay in the shooting which shows that Reva would have cried out which would dispel any notion that Oscar would have had about an intruder. This is an especially important and, to me, interesting part of the case that was almost thrown on at the end. 
Um, this is to do with psychiatric analysis, and Mary Boster diagnosed Oscar with a general anxiety condition. This is after she did research into his family history and found that his mother died when he was 14. She slept with a gun and had a terrible history of anxiety, as well as his father being an absent figure that was highly irresponsible. It is said that by having increased anxiety, Oscar might have perceived his surroundings as more threatening or dangerous than they actually were. Introducing a new mental state of mind means that he was viewing the situation differently to a standard man, so you cannot compare him to a reasonable man and therefore the judge would have had to have viewed the situation from a point of view as someone who has been diagnosed with a condition and gone through a psychiatric diagnosis. Murder and manslaughter fall back on what a reasonable person has committed. And Oscar was ordered to spend 30 days in a psychiatric ward, which was very rigorous to conclude if he had a genuine disorder. Results came back after 30 days and showed that he was not suffering from a mental disorder or defect, and therefore he was not incapable of understanding right or wrong. So this was undermined by a rigorous and state-driven assessment. So now let's move on to the judgment of the case. Oscar thought that he was firing bullets at an intruder that was entering through a bathroom window and the death of Reva was an unintended and terrible accident. The prosecution's primary case was that after an argument between the couple, Reva had fled from the apartment and taken refuge in the toilet. This was challenged on appeal, in fact it couldn't be because of the South African law, which appealed by a prosecution that could only be on a point of law reserved. So the appeal had to proceed on the basis that Oscar thought Reva was still in the bedroom. Furthermore, South African law recognises both direct direction, which is dolus directus in Latin, and legal intention, which is dolus everantis, a sufficient guilty mind or mens rea for murder. When an individual has direct intention, or when his direction is the purpose to kill her, if he thought that she was in the bedroom, killing her by firing through the bedroom door could not be his purpose. So, the purpose falls under legal intention. This means that taking conscious risk for the life of another, if he foresees his actions may cause death, it stands and he is guilty of murder if the victim dies. This was confirmed in the Court of Appeal by Judge Eric Leach when he said, quote, a person's intention in the form of dollars eventualis raises if the perpetrator foresees the risk of death occurring, but nevertheless continues to act, appreciating that death might as well occur and therefore gambling with the life of the person against who the act is directed, end quote. This consists of two parts. Firstly, foresight of the possibility of death occurring and reconciliation that the, of the foreseeing of possibility. Did Oscar foresee the possibility of death occurring and make that risk? Prosecution needs to show intent was present, and it is not enough to say that he just foresaw it. The Supreme Court of Appeal decided that he foresaw death. Leach said that as a matter of common sense, the possibility of a death of a person behind the door was an obvious result. By firing not one, but four shots, it became more likely. A person is more likely to foresee when the weapon is used as a lethal firearm than when a pellet gun is used, for example. 
In the appeal proceedings, the defense was unable to defend the finding in light of the firearm and ammunition used and the extremely limited space into which the shots were fired. Pistorius thought that Riva was in the bedroom and thought that he shot an intruder. Could he be held liable for Riva's murder if it was the death of the intruder that he foresaw? South African law rejects any form of the doctrine of transferred malice, which is the intent for one crime could not be transferred to another crime. This was carefully considered by by Masipa Jane in the original trial, as she said, this considering the concept of error in objector, said that error in objector means that when A's intention to kill B shoots and kills C, who he believes to be B. Here A is clearly guilty of the murder of C. Intention is directed at a specific predetermined individual, however he is an error of identity of that individual. A still intends to kill, irrespective of whether it is B or C that A is killing. So thus, in this case, there is an error in objecto to speak at an undeflected mens rea that falls upon the person that it was intended to affect. The error as to the identity of the individual is not relevant to the individual when dealing with mens rea. So, if it was the deceased or the intruder is irrelevant. This is a very clear but very orthodox account of the South African law by the judge. But when considering if he had dollars eventualis, the judge takes a different line. She says, quote, I now deal with dollars eventualis. Did the accused subjectively foresee that the deceased was behind the door? Did he fire the shots and thereby reconcile himself to the possibility that the deceased could be in the toilet? Evidence doesn't support that the state's contention of the case was one of dollars eventualis, but on the contrary, this case shows that from the onset, the accused believed that at a time the shots were fired, the deceased was in the bedroom. This belief was communicated to a number of different people shortly after the incident about how the accused could reasonably foresee that the shots would kill Reva if she was in the bedroom. Defence said that he must have foreseen the death of Reva, not enough, however, to say that he foresaw the death of the intruder. This argument was actually rejected by Judge Masipa. This mistake of identity of the victim was not relevant to the mens rea. However, the Supreme Court of Appeal said the judge was wrong in the application of the law. As a judge of appeal, Leach said that it was necessary to stress that although the perpetrator's intention to kill must relate to the person killed, this doesn't mean that the perpetrator must know or appreciate the identity of the victim. A person who sets a bomb, for example, in a large town centre, might be ignorant to the identity of the people killed, but still has the intention to kill through the explosion. The accused incorrectly appreciated as to who was in the toilet is not a determinative factor of whether he has requisite criminal intent, consequently by confining the assessment of dollars eventualis of whether he foresaw Reva behind the door, the court misdirected itself to the appropriate result. The conviction of him of the murder followed. The judgment of the Supreme Court breaks new no
The judgment of the Supreme Court breaks no new ground, but it simply restates the orthodox of dolus eventualis. From the legal point of view, it is a straightforward example of what the appeal court does every day. Correct mistakes of judges lower down. However, they complimented Masipa Jay on her conduct of the hearing in a place of international public with dignity and patience, which is a credit to the judiciary. So to summarise, on the 11th of September, Masipa rejected most of the prosecution's key arguments and she said that the state did not prove beyond reasonable doubt that Oscar was guilty of murder and he did not foresee Riva being in the toilet and rejected premeditated murder. Furthermore, she also rejected that he was guilty of murder but culpable of homicide or manslaughter as known in the UK. This was very controversial and caused public outcry from a lot of groups in South Africa, including women's rights groups, as well as Riva's family. This case was taken to the Supreme Court of Appeal and heard on the 3rd of November 2015, and from then on it was upgraded to a condition of murder, and they also found that he was not justified in claiming his own life was in danger. The Court of Appeal added nine more years to Oscar's sentence, which gives him a total of 15 years, making him eligible for parole in 2023.